the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts, but I'm not Craig Roberts. This is Brian Johnston sitting in for Craig. You're listening to Lifeline, the West Coast's oldest talk show, conservative talk show program. And uh, as Craig likes to likes to say, he's a conservative with compassion, and he wants people to understand these issues. We're interviewing just a great guy, Peter Hernandez. He is a San Benito County supervisor. He's running in a newly drawn district, and it, it's right out of San Jose. It starts in San Jose, but then it just follows 101, and it goes down all the way down to the San Luis Obispo County line, I believe. And so this is a whole new district. I believe, is it Anna Eshoo who hopes to hold it for the Democrats, Peter? Actually, Zoe Lofgren. Oh, Zoe. Oh, okay. Well, I got to tell you, uh, another example, hard, hard progressive Democrat and has been dependent on that whole world. That world is changing. And we're going to hear this from Peter. We're going to hear from Peter are things that aren't publicly talked about in the dominant media. And yet a lot of Americans are waking up to the need for basic principles that our nation was founded under. So I'm going to let Peter just pick up where he was. And uh, you can go to uh, Hernandez. Again, it's Hernandez for Congress. Hernandez for Congress dot com. And you can find out more about Peter. But Peter, go ahead. What else do you see coming up for this coming Congress? So um, so in thinking about the work, right, I've learned really quick is you got to at least target some very simple goals. And that way you can start building upon, uh, you know, wh- whatever it takes to put the pieces together to be successful. So under the banner of restoring the middle class, there's three things that I wanted to target. Uh, one that's pretty broad and I would say has different impacts, but nonetheless, same. It's very, very important. And I'm learning this because of the issues of the top down mindset from the state. And that's, you know, the, the simple simple term is local control, but it also represents the broader issue of what's happened to the individual or respecting the individual liberties uh, you know, of, our, of our communities, whether it's the individual that's been mandated into a vaccine situation and uh, now they, they don't have a choice or their child is being mandated, so they're losing their education, um, or it's, it's the small business owner that now is so burdened with heavy regulations and uh, you know, and, and then or the, the small farmer, which two thirds of the geography of this district is very rural agricultural. So they, even the small farmer, which I consider a small business owner, just the same. That's right. So so restoring and respecting the individual liberties, the First Amendment ultimately declares that we got to preserve that. You know, we got to preserve the individual, the respect and the sovereignty of the individual. And that also gets into issues of takings when it comes down to a property owner. It gets into a lot mm-hmm. of different issues. So we got to get back to just honoring the intent of the Constitution so that we actually have a better conversation on, on, on restoring or, or preserving, um, you know, the, our, the fabric of our community. So the other issue that I wanted to talk about is just the taxes and the overregulation. To me, they're very synonymous. If you think about taxes, right, the more you get taxed, usually there's a lot more 
burdensome regulations that come with it, whether it's paperwork or whether it's these unelected agencies coming in and all of a sudden trying to enforce something that becomes overburdensome, right? And it's these things become heavier for the smaller business owner than they are for the corporate class, right? Those folks have an easier time addressing regulations because they have the layers of the business to protect themselves. So that's a huge deal to me. And that's obviously a huge impact on the middle class. I want to open up the the entrepreneurial spirit in America. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. it's got to happen by respecting the middle class or respecting uh, or basically reducing regulations and taxes. And then the third item that I wanted to really talk about, and this is a big deal, and it's actually connects with all the other two that I just mentioned, and that's reigning in what they call the administrative state. They call it like the, the yes. shadow fourth branch of government, right? That's, that's right. Those folks that are working behind the scenes and they're literally set in policy, which is almost to a certain extent, this is where the ambiguity that they depend on to uh, to enforce their will upon the people when the people don't understand that uh, it's 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 ultimately them implementing policies, even though they're not legislators. Right. So there's there's a violation of the Constitution where the legislative branch are the only policymakers. But somehow now you have these unelected bureaucracies becoming the policymakers and impacting um, our communities, whether it's OSHA, whether it's um you know, the, the IRS or, or you know, uh, all these other branches, you know, the public health officers are is a, a local example, the local public health officers. So reigning in the administrative state is really important. And that's where I'm going to target is figuring out what it means to now set new policy to rein that in. That's right. And I think it, uh, folks listening, you know, that this is Brian Johnston. I'm sitting in for Craig Roberts on Lifeline on KFAX San Francisco. We're talking to Peter Hernandez, his district that he's running for starts in San Jose, right by the airport, and essentially follows 101. And it goes right down 101 to Morgan Hills. What are some of those other towns around there, Peter? Uh, Gonzalez, Greenfield, Soledad, King City. Yeah. And then Salinas, Watsonville, Hollister, Morgan Hill. uh, There you go. And San Jose, South San Jose. So Peter is an unusual person in the sense that he's a real person. (laughs) He's not a politician. He's the real thing. And yet he has put his hand to civics and to public policy. And he's an elected office holder, but he's a real person. He's so real. He gave it before. And if you're in any of those towns or know people in those towns, what's your cell number again, Peter? (laughs) It's it's 831-610-4555. That's right. You're not going to get Anna's. You're not going to get her cell number because she has to hear from lobbyists. She has to hear from the Democrat Party and their policies. Everything you just heard from Peter, it may sound like as he talks about the bureaucracies, you need to know this. The number one issue for me is the life issue. The longer I've been around this, it isn't just the legislators. There is an entire machinery of government that the abortion industry avails of, the regulations that are made not by the legislators, but by the deep state that has favored this evil, evil industry. Peter's very pro-life. Amen. He's the real thing. So uh, I'm very honored to have Peter on with us. We're going to have to wrap this pretty quick. Again, Peter, you're, you're representing uh, a lot of the people that are listening right now. And you're listening also to the heart of everybody else. Peter wants to do the right thing in your Congress. I think there will be a change in Congress. Your values have not been heard. They've been suppressed. I mentioned it just yesterday, as you know, even in San Francisco, in Nancy Pelosi's district, there are Democrats that have said we can't handle this anymore. 
and got rid of the school board kooks that are way out there. There's hope for California, and there's hope when we have candidates like Peter Hernandez. So once again, Peter, we'll wrap this up, but tell tell folks where they can find out more information. HernandezforCongress.com, and you could email at Peter at HernandezforCongress.com. Yes. Folks, thank you so much. And Peter, thank you so much. Uh, I hope to hear more from you. And folks, you will hear more from Peter. But go ahead and do your research. You need to study to show yourself approved. You need to find out where this battle is and what you can do. So look up Peter's website, uh, HernandezForCongress.com. Thanks for listening. We're going to take another break now. You are listening to Lifeline with Craig Roberts, but nope, this is not Craig Roberts. This is the guest host, Brian Johnston. Craig's on vacation. He'll be back next week, and we'll take this break right now. Thank you for joining us, Peter. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. You're listening to Lifeline with Craig Roberts, but I'm not Craig Roberts. This is Brian Johnston. I'm your guest host. And Craig is taking a very well-earned vacation somewhere to the south of us in an undisclosed location. But we're very, very honored to have someone else on who's been on Lifeline before. And that is Dr. Stephen Mosher. And Dr. Stephen Mosher is probably the number one expert on anything China, and in particular, the Chinese Communist Party. I talked about him earlier in the program. If you want to know what's really going on regarding this battle of ideas and how communism really works, Stephen Mosher and anything written by Stephen Mosher is worth getting. He has just published a republishing, and it's been heavily changed and added with some relevant stuff, his book, Bully of Asia. It's published by Regnery. Why China's dream is the new threat to world order. And I'm so honored to have you on, Stephen. Thank you for joining us. Well, it's good to be here with you today, Brian. So now tell us, uh, a lot of folks know there's something odd going on with China, but the dominant media culture doesn't tend to get into the real issues. And I know you do. So just tell us about the book and why it should be read right now. Well, let's talk about why China's dream of world domination is a threat to the current world order. Well, because it dreams of world domination. It dreams of a world where China is the dominant power and where we are not just secondary or tertiary powers, but we are actually tributary states. And in that world of the future that China's leader, the new red emperor Xi Jinping dreams of, uh, the China is the factory floor of the world. All material goods are produced in China in Chinese factories. And the rest of the world has a simple function, several simple functions. It provides raw materials for China's factories. It provides food for China's work- workforce because China is a food poor country. And it provides a docile, sheep-like consumer market for made in China goods. That's the world of the future that China envisions in economic terms. In political terms, it envisions a world where uh, they will dictate uh, foreign policy, uh, whether it's made in Sydney or uh, we pretend it's made in Washington, D.C. It will actually be crafted in Beijing, China, by the Chinese Communist Party and then carried out by its uh, its surrogates, its flunkies, uh, people that it has bribed, cajoled, 
uh, otherwise suborned in the United States to carry out China policy. So that's the world of the future that China imagines. Uh, that's not a world that I want to live in or I want my children or grandchildren to grow up in. So it's important that Americans understand that uh, the Chinese Communist Party does not just want to be a, another player in the existing world order. It wants to be the dominant power. It always has been, of course, in Asia. And now it wants to extend its writ over the entire world. That's right. And many of the listeners are familiar with your original work and why you came to everyone's attention years ago, because it was Stephen Mosher who revealed the forced abortion policy of China, the one child policy. It wasn't just on paper. This was a vicious, vicious policy that forced women to kill their baby, even well along. The reality is that they have done that and it's come at a cost. There's a price. There's now the opposite problem in China. And Stephen's going to fill you in on stuff you have not heard in the dominant media. What is China doing in terms of population and in terms of its efficacy in building its own nation? Oh, sorry, you still there? Yeah. Sorry. So let me just, uh, what's the challenge now? They were successful in limiting its population. But what's happening when it comes to the population of China right now? Well, as you know, I was the first American social scientist from Stanford University uh, on the ground in China back in 1979, 1980, when the one child policy began. It resulted in the deaths of, according to Chinese government statistics, 400 million unborn Mm -hmm. and newborn children, 400 million, a number greater than the population of the United States. By 2016, 35, 36 long years later, the Chinese Communist Party finally woke up to the fact that it had created a problem. It had killed off half of the last two generations, two generations of only children, of singletons. And many of those weren't interested in getting married, much less having children. Those who did get married and have children would stop at one. They had to. So the government decided in 2016, the Communist Party leaders decided that they would relax the policy. They go to a two-child policy, and that would solve the problem. And the problem was, China's population was aging and dying. They killed off so many young people that they were very close to filling more coffins than cradles each year. They were very close to losing more people to death than were being born. So the population was almost in absolute population decline. There was a nationwide labor shortage. So they went to a two-child policy. And the young people in China yawned. They said, ah, we don't want anything to do with having two children. We may not even want one. You've told us that children are burdens and not blessings. You've told us that children are expensive and and costly and and take time and energy away from other pursuits like accumulating money and buying homes and cars. We don't want any. So last year in June, in a desperation move, the Chinese Communist Party leader said, "Okay, uh, we're abandoning the two child policy. We'll go to a three child policy. You can now all have three children. And again, The people in China Mm -hmm. laughed and said, no, 40 years of antinatal, anti-baby propaganda have done their work. Uh, We don't want we don't want three children. We don't even want two. Uh, How how dare you? So uh, what the Chinese Communist Party now faces is absolute demographic decline. I believe this year uh, they literally filled more coffins than cradles. More people died than were being born. Uh, This year also they had almost as many abortions in China as they had live births. Those were voluntary abortions, by the way. Mm. They had about 9 million plus abortions. They had 10 million live births, far too few to maintain the current population. So what is the Chinese Communist Party going to do? Well, being the Chinese Communist Party, it's now pulling out all the stops. It has closed down 
90% of the abortion clinics in the country. There are only a couple mm. thousand abortion clinics remaining. There were 20,000 because, after all, it takes a lot of abortion clinics to kill 400 million unborn children, many of whom were seven, eight, and nine months along, just weeks mm. uh, away from being born. So they've closed down the abortion clinics. They're now telling unmarried young women, uh, don't get an abortion. Uh, get married and have your baby. Well, that was not the message they were giving unmarried women for the last 40 years. It used to be the rule that if you were unmarried, you weren't allowed to have a baby. That was against the rules. So all unmarried women who were pregnant were automatically aborted. Now they're telling them, don't get married, have your baby. So the, the pendulum has swung in the opposite direction, Brian, in a very, very big way. Yeah. And if you really look at this, by the way, this is what communism has done all along. Stephen is probably one of the experts on the philosophy of communism, somebody who comes at it from a common sense view. This is exactly what happened in Russia, that Stalin actually had to ban abortion. Even though under the communist philosophy, you know, women, they're the, they're the first of the oppressed classes. And women have to have the right. You, did, you may not know this. It's in the Communist Manifesto. But then most eloquently, years later, 40, in 1848 is Communist Manifesto. It's mentioned there that abortion is an essential element of the revolution. And then the final work, he, it was now posthumous. He had, he had died in, in 1883. But Marx and Engels published a book called The Rise of the Family. And capital, excuse me, the rise of the family and the state, and that there they explicitly go into the explicit need for unlimited abortion if a woman wanted it. It's part of the revolution. It was part of their founding in Russia. Stalin was facing in the 30s the same issue the Chinese face now. He made an executive order and not only banned abortion, he started paying women to have children. And it was Trotsky, among other things, Trotsky said, you've betrayed the revolution. That's at the heart of the revolution. So he started attacking Stalin, those of you who know that story. But this is part of communism all along. Human beings are disposable. Human beings are things for the Marxist worldview. There are many Marxists in the United States right now. They don't call themselves Marxists. They may not even think of themselves as Marxist, but they've adopted this worldview that human beings are the problem. Overpopulation, you're destroying the earth. We have to save the earth first. So this is very, very common. Uh, What we're going to do, I'm going to make sure we're going to stay on for another segment. And I want to make sure that you all understand the depths of what is happening right now, the Olympics is going on. And I think you had a very wise insight in terms of the Olympics, Stephen. Uh, I know you commented on it. Why don't you bring it up again, what the Olympics is and the irony that China is hosting the Olympics. Yeah, the, uh, the Olympics uh, in China, uh, the Winter Olympics, uh, are just political theater. Uh, There's no snow in Beijing in the winter, by the way. So all of the snow had to be manufactured, which I think is a great allegory for the Olympics as a whole, because it's all just theater. It's all choreographed. It's all stage managed. And uh, the poor athletes who are there to compete are just props in this communist political theater, which is intended to convince the world that China is a wonderful place. It's 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 free. Look at all this this uh, free and open competition between nations. And, and if you look behind the scenes, my goodness, uh, the athletes are being forced to test for uh, uh, COVID every day, um, anally. 
Uh, the athletes are also kept in very poor quarters, uh, not given very good food. Uh, I'm not at all convinced that that isn't China's way of trying to give their own athletes an advantage, by the way. If you if you keep an athlete who's highly toned and highly trained uh, in quarantine for a week with bad food and, and bad uh, surroundings, uh, they're not going to do as well when you finally let them out of quarantine. Uh, they've been basically in hibernation for a week, unable to work out. So, uh, you know, I would hope that the Olympics would never be held, summer or winter would never be held in Beijing again. Uh, not to mention all of the human rights abuses that are happening in China. We hear about the Uyghurs, the uh, 12 million uh, people in the far west of China, who actually uh, constituted a separate nation uh, before they were invaded and conquered by the Red Army in 1950. Uh, just like Tibet was a separate nation yes. before it was invaded and conquered by the Red Army in 1959. Uh, those minorities are absolutely being destroyed in China. It's genocide in real time uh, for the Uyghurs. Uh, it's a slow rolling genocide in Tibet. They want to stamp out the Tibetan language, uh, the Uyghur language, which is Turkish, the Mongolian language, and, and make everybody into uh, to uh, uh, proper Mandarin speaking uh, Chinese over time. Hmm. I like, Stephen, what you said about the Olympics, and, and many of you who are athletes appreciate the Olympics. But what Stephen said, I think it's very poignant. It really is to be a celebration of the human spirit, what it is to be a human being, to be alive. It is a, celebra- a, celebra- a celebratory event around the world. The real irony is that the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, opposes every aspect of the human spirit. And very quickly, if you want to comment on that, we'll go to a break. But what are the things about being a human being that are constantly denied under communist Chinese policy? Yeah, you know, the uh, the communist Chinese, of course, officially atheistic com- communist party, as all communist mm-hmm. parties are, uh, believes that man is only a little higher than the apes. And, and we as Christians believe that man is a little, only a little lower than the angels. We have an immortal soul that we created in the image and likeness of God. Uh, the Chinese Communist Party leaders literally don't think of the masses of Chinese as individuals at all. They think of them as, as a product to be exploited. And, and that's why communist ideology, of course, is a fraud from the beginning. It claims to be the vanguard of the proletariat. But in fact, in China and elsewhere, it it rides on the back of the proletariat uh, like a kind of nobility, and it exploits the labor of the proletariat for its own gain. And we saw that. I saw that in China years ago. I would talk to local villagers about the Communist Party, and they would say, oh, you mean the big landlord? <laughs> they, they understood that they weren't working for themselves anymore in the commune system. They were working for the big landlord. And while the pre-revolutionary landlord may have been a small holder with just a few acres that they knew personally may have been a relative, the big landlord, boy, you can't question him. He's way off in Beijing. And if you question, say anything against him, uh, you're going to be arrested and, and punished. So the big landlord, that's what the Communist Party of China is. It's the big landlord. It's the big uh, exploiter of the labor of China. The party members uh, produce nothing except tyranny. And they produce that in abundance. You're listening to Stephen Mosher. You're listening on KFAX Radio, Lifeline with Craig Roberts. I'm Brian Johnston sitting in for Craig. I've asked Steve to hang on. There's more to examine. And again, I recommend any book that Stephen Mosher has ever written. He's just uh, an expert on this topic and related topics. We'll be right back after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 
one. Welcome back. You're listening to Lifeline on KFAX, KFAX San Francisco. This is not Craig Roberts. That's who you normally hear. Craig's on vacation, a much-needed vacation. I'm Brian Johnston. I also have a program on Saturdays at 11 on KFAX. It's Life Matters. But today, we're going well beyond what that's about, even though that's the real issue of life. We're talking right now to Stephen Mosher and politics in China and the world. Stephen, go ahead and tell us more about this book. The name of this book again? Uh, the name of the book is Bully of Asia. And, you know, I, I really should have entitled it, uh, Brian, Bully of the World, because China's yeah. ambitions are not limited to Asia. Uh, we used to think, at least some people in the Washington establishment or Wall Street said, oh, we can go ahead and send money to China to help them develop. We can allow them access to our science and technology. We can buy their goods, even though they're produced in some cases by slave labor, by prison labor, by child labor, by workers who aren't allowed to strike for higher wages or even organize in labor unions. It's all right. We can buy their, their goods because one day, once they develop, they're going to become like us. Well, that didn't happen. China has become rich and powerful thanks to U.S. help, thanks to U.S. money, science and technology, and the passive U.S. consumer market. Uh, so we've enabled the rise of the country that wants to destroy us as the leading power in the world. Probably the greatest strategic blunder that any country in human history has ever made. That's the message of Bully of Asia. Wake up, America. It's time to understand that the Chinese Communist Party does not wish us well. The Chinese Communist Party is aiming at world domination. The Chinese Communist Party has waged war on almost all of its near neighbors. It claims territory in Japan. It claims the island of Taiwan. It's been viciously aggressive towards the Philippines. It claims the entire South China Sea, which is kind of like, you know, if you don't know where the South China Sea is, just imagine that the United States suddenly claimed the entire Caribbean. That's what China has done with the South China Sea. It's waged war across its border with India. It is an aggressive, expansive empire. And uh, we need to work with our allies to uh, contain it. And we can do that. I mean, we can we can That's win right. this conflict. We still control our own destiny. That's the message of Bully of Asia. Well, it's an excellent message. It needs to be heard right now. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned they're, they're sweeping assertion of power around the world. You mentioned uh, what's what's happening with just the South China Sea, but China is actually out to control. I, I was in the Bahamas uh, last year, and they own large portions of the Bahamas. They don't use Bahamanian em employers. They don't, they're building buildings. They fly in what is essentially slave labor from China to build those buildings. Mm -hmm. They're using money and resources to influence smaller countries. Um, Stephen, one thing you mentioned, um, but I think it needs to be examined real quickly because we're going to have to go quick. But talk about the real war of ideas, the information war. Oh, China has uh, uh, not just doubled or quadrupled its, its budget for propaganda. It's spending uh, tens of billions of dollars on propaganda around the world. It's buying radio and TV stations everywhere that broadcast Chinese communist propaganda 24-7. Uh, it is buying uh, inserts in major American newspapers and, and magazines to try to promote its own goals. And uh, the, the effort is pervasive and happening even on our college campuses where they're setting up Confucius Institutes to hope to, to try and, and convince the next generation of American 
uh, educated public that, that China uh, really doesn't want to do what it's clearly aiming to do, and that is uh, dominate the United States and the world. So we don't have any George Washington Institutes on college campuses in China, by the way. We don't have any radio stations or TV stations in China because they're a closed society. We don't allow that. Uh, we aren't allowed to do that. But we're an open society, and, and the Chinese Communist Party takes full advantage of that. We have to get a lot smarter about Chinese espionage, cyber espionage, old line espionage, spying in the United States. Because if we can do three things, if we can stop the flow of capital into China to support the Chinese Communist Party, that money comes from Wall Street. If we can stop science and technology being stolen by China uh, and sent back to that country to create products that we actually designed and, and paid for with our tax dollars. And if we can stop buying Chinese made goods, let's shift our supply chains to countries that share our values and institutions. Let's let's buy goods made in India or the Philippines or Taiwan or even the United States. How about that? Let's move factories back here and employ workers here to make goods. If we do those things, uh, the Chinese Communist Party will find it impossible to continue. Uh, China, as currently constituted, will collapse the same way the Soviet Union collapsed in 1991. Uh, we will see China collapse as well. And that will be good, not just for the world, but for the Chinese people themselves. Yes. And I, again, thank you. And no one knows the Chinese culture. No American that I know knows it as well as Stephen. I want to point out what he said. They call them Confucius Institutes. They're not peddling Confucianism. By the way, Confucius was really quite an amazing philosopher. I, I love some of his sayings. That's not what they're selling. They basically, Marx and Engels were two confused German boys from the north of Germany who were revolutionaries in their heart and then codified that. They ended up in England and uh, and used a lot of money from the Engels family <laughs> to peddle an idea. That caught on, as you know, to Chairman Mao and others. But what's being peddled is the destruction of Western civilization and mankind and the control of mankind by a centralized status government promising freedom. But in fact, they have only brought Marxism has only brought death and destruction. So this is not. And again, Stephen loves the Chinese people. Stephen loves the Chinese culture. I love it. What little I know. I'd like to study more Mandarin. But I have to tell you, you're being accused, if you mention how evil the CCP is, you as an individual, if you're listening, people say, well, you just hate the Chinese. That is not what we're talking about. This is an incredibly evil idea being peddled right now by the Chinese Communist Party. They're not promoting real Chinese values. They're promoting the death of Western civilization. They literally are promoting that. Stephen, thank you so much. You're listening right now to, to uh, Lifeline with Craig Roberts. I'm the guest host, Brian Johnston. You just heard from Stephen Mosher. His new book is called The Bully of Asia. Bully of Asia, Why China's Dream is the New Threat to World Order. Get it. It's published by Regnery Publishing and available wherever fine books are sold. And Stephen, thank you for joining us. Thank you. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Lifeline with Craig Roberts, and I am his guest host. This is Brian Johnston. I'm the host of Life Matters here on KFAX on Saturdays at 11. Craig is on vacation. 
and uh, do pray for him. It's a much-needed vacation. Well, we're going to be wrapping up now. I want to remind you, you heard from Peter Hernandez, candidate for Congress. So if you're in the San Jose area, anywhere from the airport on down 101, all the way down to the San Luis Obispo County line. That new district goes all the way down there. It's a Democrat district. It's mostly the new voters are mostly Spanish speakers. But you know what? Se habla espanol. Peter Hernandez speaks Spanish, and he's committed to life, and he's committed to make a difference. So that was Peter Hernandez. Continue to to look him up, and you'll hear more from him. You also heard from Stephen Mosher, probably one of the world's experts on what's really happening in China. Many of you knew his story before. His new book, Bully of Asia, is published by Regnery and is available on Amazon and wherever fine books are sold. And Craig has asked me to continue to talk about my book. I gave you some introductory comments about it, why I wrote it, the importance of understanding what's going on in the abortion debate federally, and the Roe versus Wade decision. It might be overturned. We don't know what the Supreme Court's going to do, but we do know this. Most Americans don't fully understand Roe v. Wade, And all that it's done, it's allowed abortion on demand. It's overturned the laws of all 50 states. Children have no legal protection in the United States or in the several states because of Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton. These were twin decisions brought down in 1973, evil twins, Roe and Doe. And I told you, you would hear more commentary, and we're going to finish up talking about this book. Again, my book, Evil Twins, Roe and Doe, How the Supreme Court Unleashed Medical Killing. As I mentioned earlier in the program, many people don't know that in Roe v. Wade, Justice Blackman explicitly denied the feminists' desire to perform their own abortions. That's one of the desires, by the way, of radical feminism. They asked for it in Roe. He denied it to them. Sarah Weddington carried the case. She was a radical feminist, and she had asked for that right. She proclaimed the right that women have the right over their own body. And he explicitly said, no, that's not true. The media doesn't tell you it says that. The media has a meme. The media has a narrative, and they want to simplify this. But the great implications is this. The way that Blackman got abortion on demand is he said that an abortionist, if they're an MD, they can do an abortion anytime they want, even for sociological reasons. And he literally said that, that that's the woman's health could involve her age, her disposition, her psychological or sociological position, whatever in the mind of the abortionist would impact her health. That brought us abortion on demand. It was the life or health exception applies throughout pregnancy. You're not told that by the pop media, but I have to tell you that Ruth Bader Ginsburg understood that. Here's an interview that she did in 2013 where she explains that it doesn't. That decision does not. Again, these are cobbled together and we call them row. It doesn't give women the right to do what they want. It only empowers doctors to kill anytime they feel. And she was very bothered by that. Another feature of Roe 
Israel really isn't about the woman's choice, is it? It's about the doctor's freedom to practice his profession as he thinks best. It wasn't woman-centered. It was physician-centered. Yes, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that Roe v. Wade doesn't give women the right to choose. It only gives doctors, physicians, the right to do what they want. The repercussions of that and the violation of the Hippocratic Oath, which for 3,000 years had guided the ethics of the medical profession, it's out the window. Doctors are now free to kill. You probably realize that. We've talked about that before on Lifeline. And uh, again, want to encourage you to join me on Saturdays at 11 for Life Matters, my book, Evil Twins, Roe and Doe, How the Supreme Court Unleashed Medical Killing, also available on Amazon or wherever fine books are sold. Thank you for listening so much. Drive carefully, and uh, you're going to hear from Craig when he gets back. But well, you've been a great audience, and uh, stay warm and safe. Thanks. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to KFAX.com. That's KFAX.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.